Hey, this is Lori Lakin Hutcherson, founder and editor-in-chief of goodblacknews.org, here to share with you a daily drop of Good Black News for Saturday, April 30th, 2022, based on the A Year of Good Black News page-a-day calendar published by Workman Publishing. Today, we'd like to close out Jazz Appreciation Month with a short tribute to a primary architect of the sound, the legendary New Orleans son, Louis Armstrong. Know him, know me, is how jazz innovator Dizzy Gillespie described the impact of the musician Louis Armstrong. Widely believed to be the first great jazz soloist, Armstrong's improvisations on the cornet and trumpet influenced every jazz musician after him and elevated the musical style to a new, exciting standard. Born in August of 1901, during one of the more challenging times of his childhood, Armstrong was sent to a home for boys in 1912 after firing his stepfather's gun in the air during a New Year's Eve celebration. While at the Colored Waifs Home for Boys, as it was called, Armstrong learned how to play the cornet. When Armstrong was released a few years later, he worked odd jobs as he was mentored on his horn by one of the best players in town, Joe King Oliver, and eventually replaced Oliver on cornet in Kid Ory's very popular band. Armstrong soon reunited with Oliver when Oliver formed his own band in Chicago, which led to Armstrong's first recorded solo on record, 1923's Chimes Blues. Armstrong soon left his mentor to join Fletcher Henderson's orchestra, the top black big band in New York. But the big city lifestyle and creative restraints Armstrong encountered led him back to New Orleans to play with his wife Lil Armstrong's band at the Dreamland Cafe. Armstrong also began recording with his studio band, first the Hot Fives, then the Hot Sevens, even though they weren't who he played with for live performances. These recordings with smaller groups of musicians were an early influence on what would become the norm after the swing band orchestra's heyday in the 1930s that ushered in the bebop era in the 1940s. Armstrong's stop-time solos on numbers like Cornet Chop Suey and Potato Head Blues changed jazz history, featuring daring rhythmic choices, swinging phrasing, and incredible high notes. Armstrong also innovated with his vocals, and his influential riff-style scat singing was emulated by popular singers such as Ella Fitzgerald and Billie Holiday. Here he is throwing it down on heebie-jeebies. Armstrong's influence on other musicians was impactful and immediate. A young pianist from Pittsburgh, Earl Hines, assimilated Armstrong's ideas into his piano playing, and together they made some of the greatest recordings in jazz history in 1928, including their duet on West End Blues.
West End Blues proved without a doubt that popular dance music like jazz was also capable of producing high art. As Armstrong's reputation grew, he toured Europe, began recording hit songs of the day, and appeared in Hollywood movies such as Pennies from Heaven and High Society with Bing Crosby, The Glenn Miller Story with Jimmy Stewart, and New Orleans with Billie Holiday. Armstrong also recorded with the smaller six-piece combo, The All-Stars. The personnel of The All-Stars would frequently change, but Armstrong would perform live with his All-Stars until the end of his career. Members at one time or another included Jack Teagarden, Earl Hines, Sidney Catlett, Barney Begard, Trummy Young, Edmund Hall, Billy Kyle, and Tyree Glenn, among many other jazz legends. During the 1940s and 1950s, Armstrong had hits with his versions of songs such as That Lucky Old Son, A Kiss to Build a Dream On, Blueberry Hill, La Vie en Rose, and one of the biggest hits of his career, Mac the Knife. And he shows them a burly wife. Just a jackknife as Mac Heat did. As times advanced and changed, Armstrong's style was starting to be seen as outmoded and outdated. He also received criticism for remaining silent on politics and not lending his voice to the fight against racism and for civil rights. Even when Armstrong did speak up, as in 1957 when he called out President Eisenhower for allowing Governor Orville Faubus to use the National Guard to prevent the Little Rock Nine from integrating Little Rock Central High School, Armstrong was met with criticism from whites and blacks alike, the former for saying anything at all and the latter for speaking out too late. Yet and still, Armstrong kept on with what he wanted to do musically and defied all odds at the height of the British invasion of the rock and roll era by scoring a number one Billboard pop hit in 1964 at the age of 63 with his version of Hello Dolly. Hello Dolly, this is Lewis. In 1965, Armstrong started performing the Fats Waller tune Black and Blue Live again, a decade after removing it from his repertoire. He changed the lyric from being, I'm white inside, to I'm right inside, and turned it into a protest that he would continue to play for the rest of his life. Yes, I'm right inside. That don't help my case Cause I can't hide What is in my face Three years later, in 1967, Armstrong's version of What a Wonderful World didn't get the same reception in the United States as Hello Dolly did. But it was a number one hit overseas in England and in South Africa. And after its appearance almost two decades later in the 1986 movie Good Morning Vietnam, What a Wonderful World became a signature tune and perennial favorite of Armstrong's, known the world over to this day. I see trees of green, red roses too. I see them blue. Armstrong's home in Corona, Queens, 
which he shared with his fourth wife Lillian from 1943 until his passing in 1971, was declared a National Historic Landmark in 1977. Today, the house is home to the Louis Armstrong House Museum, which annually receives thousands of visitors from all over the world. Even though his most famous nickname was Satchmo, or his Satchel Mouth, New Orleans native Armstrong was more lovingly known among musicians as Pops, as he was the father of it all. To learn more about Louis Armstrong, check out his 1936 autobiography, Swing That Music, his 1954 autobiography, Satchmo, My Life in New Orleans, 1999's Louis Armstrong in His Own Words, and other books such as Satchmo, The Genius of Louis Armstrong by Gary Giddens from 2001, Pops, The Life of Louis Armstrong from 2009 by Terry Teachout, and All of Me, The Complete Discography of Louis Armstrong by Joss Willems from 2006. And of course, buy or stream his music whenever and however you can. You can also watch the 1957 documentary Satchmo the Great, which is currently posted on YouTube, Ken Burns' jazz miniseries on PBS, and be on the lookout for what Apple Original Films announced last year would be the definitive Louis Armstrong documentary produced by Imagine Entertainment. This story is supposed to be told entirely through Armstrong's own words, and it's titled Black and Blues, The Colorful Ballad of Louis Armstrong. And speaking of Louis Armstrong's words, let's hear a bit of him speaking about love and life from an audio clip posted on louisarmstronghouse.org. That's my story, folks. I guess I'm stuck with it. I usually say nice things also about human beings if they deserve it. I never want to be any more than I am. And what I don't have, I don't need it any who. I've always loved and I always lived a normal life, which I appreciate very much. And I've always loved everybody, still do. This has been a daily drop of Good Black News, written, produced, and hosted by me, Lori Lakin Hutcherson. Intro and outro beats provided by Freebeats.io and produced by White Hot. Excerpts from Louis Armstrong music are included under fair use. If you like these daily drops, follow us on Apple, Google Podcasts, RSS.com, Amazon, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a rating or review, share links to your favorite episodes, or go old school and tell a friend. For more Good Black News, check out goodblacknews.org or search and follow at Good Black News anywhere on social.